Welcome to A Church in the City, a podcast sharing messages, sermons, and talks from downtown Christian Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We exist to empower a movement of passionate Jesus followers. We hope that this word can encourage you and strengthen your relationship with God. Thanks for joining us. Morning. Happy 2022. Well, pretty much everybody who had a word this morning or led a song uh, preached my whole message, so I could say we could all go home, but what kind of preacher would I be if I let you all go home now? Hmm. So um, I, was in my, I was sitting in my office this morning, and I was going through my notes and reviewing some scriptures and talking to the Lord, and and I was faced with a, with a paradox. You know, I'll let you in on a little preacher's secret. We always like to open with what my good friend Leon would call a bridge. And essentially, it's a whatever, anecdote. I like to tell jokes. So I was faced with a paradox to tell you the joke that I had prepared about a priest and a rabbi who bought a car together, or to literally honestly just share my heart with you. So I I think I'm going to do that instead. Is that okay? If you want to hear the joke about the priest and the rabbi who bought the car together, come see me afterward, and I'll be happy to tell you because it's really funny. But for the sake of time, I just want to share my heart. I I was sitting there, and I I was just talking to the Lord, and I just started to cry, and And I said, God, it's been really hard lately. And I don't know if anybody can testify to that, if anybody feels that way. But I just said, Lord, it's been really, seems like it's been a lot. And so I just, just, as I was praying and I just really was in in the Lord's presence and, and just felt like he was ministering to me. I just, I wrote this and I just wanted to start by sharing this, that the road is tough and sometimes long. I don't know if you, you ever read uh, Eugene Peterson. He's the guy who wrote the, the Message Bible and wrote a lot of other things, but he wrote a book on discipleship one time and it's titled A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And sometimes I'm like, man, is, that is so true discipleship, walking with the Lord, Christianity, just it is a long obedience in the same direction. And sometimes that long obedience, that long walk, that long road is tough. And alongside all of the amazing celebrations of life, we experience pain, loss, wounded expectations. As such, we tend to go into a new year with a freshness of hope and a renewed perspective on the things that we know that God has for us. We think of the words of Revelation 21.5, where Jesus says, Behold, I am making all things new. And we can't help but believe that this is our year. Our year to walk in it. Our year to see it happen. Our year to, whatever, fill in the blank. But as we step into it, let's remember the walking 
in the amazing promises of God requires radical believing, friends. Requires radical believing. So as we do it, let's start by reminding ourselves, so many folks have already said this, who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. What does he say about who we are? What does he say about the promises that he has for our life? So let's remind ourselves of that and what it really means to walk in those promises. The fact that we're saints. Whatever your behavior may indicate that you're a saint because he says so. Not because I always act like it. Because he says so. Then I'm a son. Not because I feel like it. Because sometimes I still feel like a beggar at the foot of God's door. Who's just happy to get the scraps. Because I know where I've been. And I know what he saved me from. I know what he brought me out of. I know the things that I've done before Christ. I know the places I've been even in Christ. And some days I marvel at his grace and his mercy and his goodness in my life. And I'm with Isaiah. I am prophesying that I will see, continue to see. Let's put it that way. I will continue to see the evidence of his goodness all over my life. But not only am I a saint and a son, but I am a servant. I'm a bondservant of Christ. And if you belong to him, you, you are a bondservant of Christ as well. And what does that mean, that you're a slave of, of God? No, it means that you're a servant in the kingdom. It means that you're his bondservant. You know, bondservant is a very specific type of servant. The Old Testament talks about that, and they used to take a servant who was released, freed from his master, said, you're set free. Go, do, be, whatever it is. And that servant oftentimes loved their master so much that they said, no, I want to stay. And that servant's called a bond servant. And they would take an awl, and they would pierce that servant's ear in a doorpost. And you too, and I, are bond servants of Christ because we've been set free. We have been set free as saints, as sons, and yet he's called us to be servants in the kingdom. So what does it really mean to believe that? What does it really mean to believe that in 2022? By the way, it's really hard to stay between these two posts, for the record. Peter writes this in, uh, in his first epistle, uh, in, the, in the first chapter, and starting in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. 
So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. What if we really believed all of that? What if we really believed what Jonathan was talking about this morning with, with Elisha and his, and his servant when, when he prayed to God to open up his eyes and he saw the, the, the armies of the Lord camped around him? I've been thinking a lot about the fact that I don't believe. Let me say it this way. There's a difference between things that are conditional and things that are unconditional. The love of God is based on His choice, not ours. Therefore, because God says it, and it's based on His choice and His choice alone, it is what we call unconditional. There is no condition to the love of God, friends. You don't earn it. You don't stir it up. You don't get qualified for it. You don't get to a place in your life where you deserve it. It's yours because he says so. It's yours because you're, you're his. It's yours because he made you. It's yours because that is by nature who he is, love. In, in Romans, in chapter 5, it says, while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone would even dare die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still by nature sinners, Christ died for us that we could by nature become saints. See, I've said this before and I'll say it until Jesus corrects me, but I'm not a sinner. Pause for effect. I'm not saying that I never participate with sin. I'm not saying that I never make mistakes. I'm not saying that I never align myself with my old nature and do things which are sinful, in fact. But it is no longer my nature. See, the Bible talks about our nature, our old man, our old nature being cut off as with a circumcision, not by human hands. And in that, we step into a new nature, the nature of saint. 
See, because if your old nature is sinner, then you're powerless over sin. You have no choice. If you are by nature a sinner, see, I'm by nature, I have, you know, I'm by nature a lot of things. But if you're by nature a sinner, you have no choice but to sin. But God says to walk by the Spirit. He says to walk out of sin. He says not to participate with the deeds of the flesh. So is God a hypocrite? Is he a sadist? Does he want to torture us by telling us to do things that we cannot by nature do? Or does he in fact give us a new nature in which we can step in to the newness of life by the Spirit of God and regeneration and walk in the things of the Spirit by the power of the Spirit that's in us? The grace of God is unmerited, unearned, and universal, meaning that it's for everyone. Therefore, it is unconditional. God pours out his grace and says, receive it, walk in it, live by it. It's not earned. It's not merited. It's not yours because you deserve it. It's yours because he says it's for you. The promises of God, however, are conditional. Walking in the newness of life, living by the grace of God, receiving the promises of God, walking them out to their fullest, living to your God-given potential as a vessel of His glory. Those things are conditioned. How many of you read a statement in the Scriptures that says, if you, then I. If you, then you. If you will, then you will. Now, there's some that might say, well, that Greek word if could also be translated since. Well, friends, sorry, since is also a conditional word. So the condition is if or since you participate in this particular thing, then you will walk in the promises of God. But here, let me be really, really clear. God always keeps up his end. God will never fail you. God will never let you down. If God says, if you, then I, then it is true. You can take it to the bank. You can hang your hat on it. You can do whatever you need to do. You can cash it in. You can take a loan out against it. At the end of the day, God says, if you, I will. He's asking you to participate in receiving his promise. Again, you're not earning the promises of God. You're merely walking them in them and aligning yourself with them. You understand what I'm saying? It's not about a merit-based system. It's never about that. And if you're hearing me say that, you're hearing me wrong, friend. This is not a merit-based system. Well, it is, but it's based on the merits of Christ. So you win. If you're in Christ, you win because he gets everything. And because you're a co-heir, the inheritance is yours. As a son, it all belongs to you. 
Because Jesus has it all. And you are seated in heavenly places in Christ. See, we talk about being born again. I was talking about, you know, the change of nature, baptism, you know. Old nature, new nature, sinner, saint, born again, regeneration. All these church words that we talk about a lot. The things that you do, going to church, reading your Bible, praying, giving. Whatever it is, all of this stuff. Right as it is, good as it is, it will never magically make you walk in the newness of life or in the promises of God. There is no magical formula to this, friends. It requires radical believing. And I'll get into what I mean by that in just a minute because radical believing is bigger than just a cerebral ascent to a certain truth. It's not something that happens in your gray matter. It's not something that happens between your two ears, though that's a part of it. It's about understanding, it's about hearing, it's about receiving, but that's only part of it. John wrote in the 20th chapter of his gospel, he said, so then many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. By believing. By believing. You may experience. You may walk in the fullness of it. you dig into the text there in the Greek, that word believing is not just a one-time deal. This is believe and keep on believing. Don't stop believing. Now you got that song stuck in your head. Welcome. Believing, seriously, believing. Keep on believing. Don't stop Believing. Continue believing. Now, does that mean like Jamie said that we never struggle with belief? We never cry out to the Lord, Lord, I believe, only help my unbelief? But there's the really, really important part of that story. That man. Well, let's say it this way. The story could have read, the man went to his friends and he grumbled. I believe, but I'm full of unbelief. He could have gone by himself to his home, said the same thing. I believe, but I just am struggling with it. I'm just struggling with it. He could have gone any number of places, but he went one place very, very, very specific. He went to Jesus. And he said, Lord, Master, Master, I believe what you say. Help my unbelief. So where does your unbelief drive you? Where does your doubt drive you? Does it drive you to separate yourself, commiserate with your friends, 
Where does unbelief drive you? Does it drive you to the arms of Jesus? Because that's the healthy place. Because God's not scared of your doubt. God's not scared of your questions. God's not scared of the fact that sometimes we look at his promises and we go, holy smoke, I cannot possibly handle that. That is way bigger. That is way tougher. I can't do this, God. I don't feel like I have what it takes. There is not a day that went by in 2021 where I didn't say that to God. I'm telling you, that is a God's honest truth. There is not a day that went by in 2021 where I didn't say, God, I don't have what it takes for this. But I said, Lord, your grace is sufficient for me. My weakness is great, but your grace is greater. So, Lord, I acknowledge my weakness. Perfect your strength in me so I can walk in the things you've called me to walk. And there was a lot of times I failed. I biffed it hard, not just in softball. (laughs) Although that's a funny story. My leg is almost fully healed. My jersey is retired in the DCC Softball Hall of Fame, never to come out again until next season. Friends, I can't tell you how many times I've failed, you know? And if you think that there's anybody who ever stands up here on a Sunday morning, whether it's somebody that stands in the pulpit or gives a word of prophecy or encouragement or anyone that leads a a song or is part of the band or anybody that teaches anything, anybody who's part of anything here, if you ever think for a second man, that person really seems like they've got their stuff together. They probably don't. They probably don't. They might be a little further ahead in certain areas than you are. And so guess what? Go get with that person. Say, hey, can you tell me? Tell me stories. Let their mess become a message. Let their test become a testimony. Let them encourage you. But at the end of the day, there are no experts in the company of Jesus. But listen, if we are to truly walk in the things that the Lord has spoken, it will take us continuing in radical believing. Radical believing includes radical repentance. Radical believing includes radical submission. You're using words that you don't like. Radical believing requires radical participation. Radical repentance. Radical submission. And radical participation. Jesus said in, in, in John's Gospel, in the, chapter, in the 16th chapter, he's talking about the Holy Spirit when he comes. And he's encouraging his, his friends. He said, guys, don't worry about it. I got to go. Okay? You're not going to see me like this anymore. But it's okay. It's okay because if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about this, and he says, he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin Righteousness and judgment. Regarding sin, 
because they do not believe in me. Regarding righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you no longer are going to see me. And regarding judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Now, I know you've heard me say this before if you've been around for any length of time, but if you've been around for a long time, you know I'm just a one-trick pony anyway, and I only say the same thing, which is follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit, pay attention to this for a minute, because I I find this really, really interesting. It says, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, is going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Okay? So these are three areas that the Holy Spirit's going to show us. He's He's going to show the world, the whole world. He says, regarding sin, because they do not believe in me. So the Holy Spirit is convicting those who don't believe, unbelievers, of sin. Regarding righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, and you no longer are going to see me. The Holy Spirit is convicting us, the church, the disciples, the followers of righteousness, because we no longer have Jesus visually to go, oh, that's what righteousness looks like. So the Holy Spirit in you, with you, is going, hey, this is is what righteousness looks like right now. This is what righteousness looks like in this particular moment, in this particular situation. Where are you in regard to this benchmark? where, Where are you? And align yourself, align yourself with righteousness. That is what this word repentance means. And I know we talk about it a lot, but I don't know that everyone really, really gets the beauty of repentance. See, this, the scriptures say that the, the, the kindness, the loving kindness of God leads us to repentance. It's not wrath. It's not judgment. It's not condemnation. The Holy Spirit is convicting us of righteousness. And he's saying this This is where I'm walking. This is what I'm doing. This is where my heart is in this particular moment. Where are you in alignment with this particular thing? And if you're you're over here, then if you're over here, then then do one of these. If you're over here, then do one of these. I learned that in marching band. If you're where are you? Turn around. Turn around. I'm going this way. You're going that way. Why? Stop, 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 stop. It's not judgment, it's not condemnation. It's conviction and repentance is in alignment with the truth of the righteousness of God revealed by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? Repentance is in alignment with the truth of the righteousness of God revealed by the Holy Spirit. This is an amazing thing. But see, here's the thing. Radical believing, right? Radical believing. If we think that we can just wander around in the flesh... Okay, I might rattle you a little bit. If we think we can just wander around in the flesh and fully enjoy all the promises of God for our life, I think you may have another thing coming. I don't know if it works that way. Now, God's grace is really, really big, and his mercy blows my mind. And the things that I, places I've been, and and to still have God not go, hey, I'm done with you. I mean, it's amazing, right? It's amazing. But at the end of the day, if I'm going down this road, in my, in my flesh, in my old former way of life, in my own stinking thinking. And God's saying, hey, I'm going this way, and this is where my promises are fully revealed and where you'll fully enjoy the fullness of life. 
How is that going to happen? And this, friends, is where repentance comes in, where it's just a realignment. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Oh. Yes, God. Pretty good at that. Yes, God. These shoes help, too. They're real slippery on the bottom. They're bad in the ice. Radical repentance. Radical believing requires radical repentance. Radical submission. Radical submission. Paul writes in Romans 14, he says, For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Now there's a word we throw around a lot, Lord. And this word in the Greek literally means master, Lord. He to whom a person or thing belongs. About which he has power of deciding. He to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has the power of deciding. This term is obviously attributed to God, attributed to Jesus, God the Father, Jesus, attributed to the Roman Emperor in some Greek writings. When we say we make Jesus Lord, that's a big thing. That's a big, big thing. It's one thing to call him king. He's the king whether you like it or not. It's a whole nother thing to call him Lord. Because to call him Lord implies that you belong to him and that he has the power of deciding. Radical submission. Radical submission. To say yes, Lord, when it's scary, when it doesn't make sense, when it's a little bit weird, and threatens your respectability. One of the most dangerous prayers I ever prayed, it's about 10 years ago I started to pray this, and then I stopped because, well, I said, Lord, I want to lose my respectability for you. See, I don't want to operate so respectably that I'm unwilling to submit radically to my Lord. I want to be someone that goes when he says go, that speaks when he says speaks, speak, that does when he says do. Radical believing takes radical repentance, radical submission, and radical participation. 
The Apostle Paul, possibly the last letter he ever wrote from a Roman dungeon, which if you know anything about Roman dungeons, they're not like Ottawa County Jail. I was in Ottawa County Jail once. Well, okay, twice. <laughs> a long time ago. But anyway, I was there and people would just eat ramen noodles and watch Baywatch. That was a long time ago when Baywatch was still on TV. Anyway, that's what jail was like. But this wasn't like that. This is a Roman dungeon. This is full of filth and stink and disease and pestilence. People die. He writes this to his friend Timothy. He says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to protect what I have entrusted to him until that day. I'm not ashamed. Paul, the great teacher, the great apostle, when he was a young man and a Pharisee, excelled among his peers, was zealous. This dude had promise. He could have been successful. Here he is at the end of his life, dying in a Roman dungeon. And he says, I'm not disappointed at all. I'm not disappointed in whom I have placed my hope. He says, for I know whom I have believed. You know, there's a lot of different words for know, knowing in the scriptures, and whether it's Hebrew or Greek, whatever it is. And this word is a really interesting one. It's not like in John 17.3 where, where Jesus says, eternal life is this, to know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent, and that knowledge that's like an experiential intimate knowledge, right? This is a different kind of knowledge. This is like a, the idea of to have seen or perceived the knowledge of what God is in himself, which makes him absolutely dependable in any circumstance. The knowledge of who God is, who he says he is, which makes him unshakable. And in this particular situation, Paul's hope in him, unshakable. You could also read that to say, I am not ashamed 
For I know with an absolute knowledge the one in whom I have permanently placed my trust and have come to a settled persuasion. Band can come. Listen, friends. I'm really excited for 2022. I'm really excited for what the Lord has for us next week. So I just want to encourage you not to admit, not to miss that opportunity. To me, it's an opportunity for, for activation. And, uh, and, and my prayer for, for what we have planned next week, the word that Nan has, the ministry that's in store, my, my hope and my prayer is that it will be a catalyst for us headed into 2022. You know, we talk about identity. We talk about being, you know, saints, sons, servants. But, you know, so many times we, we wrestle with the promises of God and, and, and we wrestle with, with this or that because this doesn't seem to have been fulfilled in the time that I thought it was. This didn't happen when I thought it would happen. We've got wounded expectations. We've got disappointments. We, we would call it hope deferred. We've got all these things that are happening in our lives. And I believe for many of us, I believe that we've got really, really a great opportunity to just start fresh and new and to allow the Lord to speak things over us freshly, newly, and really walk them out. But as we have that opportunity to walk those things out, my encouragement is whether you're here, whether you're at home, and, and again, if you're at home, if you can be here in person next Sunday, I want to encourage you to do that. I think it would be a, it's just a really, really great opportunity. And, and, uh, and so we are, as, as Lisa indicated, going to shut the live stream down at some point and shift to a different, uh, a, different, a different encouragement just because we want people to be free and being ministered to. So, so that's a really great opportunity. If you can be here in person, be here in person. Uh, I really think God has some, some really, really cool things in store for all of us. 2022, what if we believed it? What if we believed it? What if this radical believing manifested itself? in this radical repentance, in this radical submission, and in this radical participation, what would it look like if we could say like Paul, no matter what I see, no matter what I experience, no matter where I am, I am not disappointed in the one whom I have placed my hope because I know, I know that his promises are true. And I know that he will never let me down. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about DCC, get involved in one of our ministries, or give to support us, you can find us at achurchinthecity.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at Downtown Christian Church for Sunday morning set lists, sermon series announcements, and much more. You can also join us live on YouTube every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Just search for Downtown Christian Church. Thank you for listening.